and the Y'all Show getting you through the week. Hello, as the South is bundling up, not with a blanket, but with something really cold right now. It's pretty hot throughout the 16 southern states. And right here on the Y'all Show, it's getting hot here with great content and fun and information and so much more. I'm General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American, and it is great to be with you here on this three-hour journey. We're going to be together, so let's just get acclimated and let's have a real good time talking about the Southeast. If you want to be involved with the show all about the South, it's easy to do that. Pick up your telephone and text us. Our number is 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call anytime you feel like it. And let's say you're not feeling like texting right now. Just go ahead and jot this down on your pen and paper. Just jot it down, 803-816-1170. And then when you feel like it, and personally, if you feel like it and you're kind of in a positive mood, that's when we want to hear from you. But we'll take the negative, too, 803-816-1170. So easy for you to reach out to us here. And don't forget, if you miss any portion of the show that's all about the South, you can find us in podcast form at y'all.com. That is the South's official homepage, Y-A-L-L.com. We're also available in podcast form on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, the Stitcher app, and also Apple Podcasts. It is the show that's all about the South, and we're just so darn thankful that you're a part of our show as we get just set for this Edition. Coming up, we've got headlines from across the South. The Congress, it looks like, is going to go forward on this infrastructure bill, over a trillion-dollar bill. We have a lot of political stories to get to today as we cover the political scene on Tuesdays. And if it's a day in Washington, D.C., it's a day that Marjorie Greene can get in the headlines. And the Georgia congressman is back in the headlines today. We just told you about what she did recently on Monday's Y'all Show when our Takapola storyteller dropped by to talk about how she recently visited the prison there in Washington, D.C. that has dozens of folks involved in the January 6th unrest in Washington. And now the Georgia congressman, the freshman congressman from northwest Georgia, back in the news today, I'll tell you why. Also, we'll let you know about how a judge has suggested the federal government is too lenient toward the January 6th defendants. Now, that is in stark contrast to what Green and Matt Gates from Florida and Louis Gohmert of Texas, what they, they went knocking on the prison door the other day. That's definitely not exactly the kind of report they're looking forward to. Also, we'll take you to Austin, where Democrats there... Their strategy is a little unclear as the GOP is trying to once again pass in the Lone Star State voting reform measures. Remember, it was the Texas Democrats, I think from the Texas House, that took off, left the Lone Star State for the friendly confines of Washington, D.C., and now they're still not back in Texas. And I don't think they've got a quorum. We'll tell you all about that coming up later in the Y'all Show when we have a little political report also here on the y'all show to start off today with our headlines we will tell you how in canada if you're wanting to go across the border 
You can, as Canada has reopened its border for vaccinated American visitors. Also, from the coronavirus front, the Arkansas governor, Asia Hutchinson, has given an update after his state has set a new coronavirus record. Arkansas, like many of the South and really most of the country, getting hit big time by the Delta variant. And we'll give you the latest out of Little Rock. Plus some sad story, a sad story to pass along from Yalabusha County in Mississippi. The sheriff there has passed away from COVID-19. He is the second sheriff in Mississippi to die of COVID-19 in recent days. And the sad thing about Sheriff Mark Fulco of Yalabusha County, that's Coffeyville and Water Valley in Mississippi, Oakland as well in North Mississippi. He had just been in office only a few months and really was a recipient and a benefactor since he won of a controversial election that just got settled in February of this year. And now this freshman sheriff in Yalabusha County, Mississippi, has died this week of COVID-19. Also out of Chilton County, Alabama, that is where they grow a lot of peaches, south of Birmingham, they are seeking information, law enforcement there, on missing men from Tennessee. And it's a really bizarre criminal case that's going on as Chilton County is looking for information on a couple of Tennessee men as they found three burned bodies there in central Alabama. And we'll give you the latest on that. Plus, out of Albany, Georgia, sadly, a young boy that was asleep in his bed shot dead in a drive-by shooting. We're used to stories like this from, sadly, places like Chicago. But in Albany, Georgia, a kid, a little, little innocent child killed by a drive-by shooter while you're in your bed asleep. What kind of world are we living in? Other headlines today that we'll tell you about. How about the USS Paul Hamilton? And I'm very proud as a native of the Palmetto State. The USS Paul Hamilton was just spotted coming into port flying the nice blue and white Liberty flag that flew over Fort Moultrie in the Revolutionary War. The first American victory in the Revolutionary War. And it is, uh, I would say, the inspiration behind South Carolina's current blue and white palmetto flag with the crescent moon. And I'll tell you how this beautiful flag from the Revolutionary War on a U.S. Navy ship here this week. Plus, some vaccination-related stories out of the state of Louisiana that we'll get to in our headlines of today's Y'all Show. We have a sports update coming, and not only will we tell you about NASCAR, as NASCAR, we've got a points leader that is expected to emerge victorious in the points lead. We'll also let you know where the fast track guys will be this weekend. And speaking of where they'll be this weekend, sadly for IndyCar drivers and more, they're familiar with Bob Jenkins. Bob Jenkins, the longtime racing announcer, not the owner of All Seasons Heat and Air, but Bob Jenkins has died at age 73. He was the voice of the Indianapolis 500. I'll fill you in on more of his passing later in the show. The New Orleans Saints and Patrick Robinson have cut ties as Robinson has officially left the game. He's retired and will not be using his services as a cornerback for the Saints. Plus, we told you earlier this week, if we had time, we'd squeeze this in. We will tell you the week one preseason NFL schedule in a few minutes. 
a lot of games. And they start Thursday, and games continue on all the way through Sunday. There's actually a game at high noon Eastern, 11 Central, on the NFL Network on Sunday. You can skip church if you want and watch a little week one preseason football. There is no Sunday night, nor is there a Monday night preseason NFL game this first week. But we'll let you know about that. Plus, the pollsters have come in with the preseason poll. And guess what? Surprise, surprise, surprise. The Alabama Crimson Tide, the overwhelming number one in the latest preseason coaches poll. But who follows the Tide in this poll? I'll walk you through at least the top 25. And there's some real surprises and some remnants from 2020, some teams that did quite well, maybe in some cases for the first time in school history. And they're lingering here, entering the 2021 schedule. That's coming up. Plus, we have today our featured school. We're going to take you all the way to the U. As Carl Gables, Florida is the home of the University of Miami. And the Miami Hurricanes are today's latest stop on our tour across the southeast here. And our number one, we'll let you know about the Canes 2021 schedule. What Manny Diaz, who I think is entering his second full season at the U, what he has planned. We're going to hear from the coach of the Canes as he's actually a Florida State alumnus. And we've got a clip talking about him, talking about the legendary Bobby Bowden, who we just lost on Sunday at age 91. But Diaz will also discuss his Hurricane football team. And we will share with you more on Miami football for 2021, the ACC Coastal Division member at Miami Hurricanes that actually play ball in Miami Gardens at Hard Rock Stadium there. But that's coming up hour one and hour three. We'll discuss more of the traditions of Miami, and they've got a great tradition. In fact, if you go back to the 1980s and 90s, their tradition was winning national championships. But we'll discuss the smoke, Ibis, the, the, the Sebastian, the Ibis, the mascot they've got there, and just the really cool tradition, unique tradition that the Miami Hurricanes offer college football. That's coming up in Hour 3. Also in Hour 3, we've got a southern accent on the arts. Melissa Rhodes will be filing that report. Hour 2 today, don't want to skip ahead too much. We've got a quick update on entertainment news. We're going to hear from Reba McIntyre. Reba just got out on TikTok the other day, and she gives you a tour of her amazing home and she didn't give us the address so i can't tell you exactly where it's located but if you've ever wanted to live vicariously through reba nell mcintyre well you can go to her tiktok video which she also has up on youtube but i'm going to play you a portion of her tour she kind of walks through what's going on and reba is she's in love and her boyfriend is right there alongside her while she's filming this video she is in a big romantic relationship with rex lynn now he's the bald-headed kind of ugly guy off of c not csi off was it csi it was the uh yeah it was csi miami i'm sorry there's been so many csis i kind of forget but yeah csi miami rex was that bald-headed honestly he looked just like an investigator which i think was the role he had in csi miami and they are an item. Rex Lynn is a University of Texas alum, although I think he's a Okie just like Reba. But they've been together for a little time. 
and they both just got COVID, and they both, I think, were vaccinated. And Reba talks about that in the TikTok video that she's got out on social media. But we're going to give you, we're going to do you all a favor, we're going to play you a little bit of Reba talking about her home. She loves birds, and she talks about all that, and we'll play a portion of that in our entertainment report. Plus, hour number two today, thanks to a great website, thespruceeats.com. They have released a story called Barbecue Party Planning Checklist, and it's got a lot of stuff on there. So we're going to help you out and walk through all the things. If you're trying to squeeze in one last little party before summertime comes to an end, we got your Barbecue Party Planning Checklist, and that's coming up in hour number two. Let's get into what's going on across the southeast today as we begin this first hour of talk with a southern accent. And as mentioned, if you've just been dying to get to Toronto, and that's how some Canadians once told me how to pronounce the name of that city. It's not Toronto. It's Toronto. If you want to get to Toronto or you want to get over to some of the other Regina, I believe is the name of that city, in Saskatchewan, if you want to go to let's say Vancouver or some of the other places throughout the country of Canada, you can now go to Canada. And that's because the good folks up north, the real northerners, have reopened the border for vaccinated U.S. visitors. Now, this is a border that's been essentially shut down for quite some time. But now Canada has lifted its prohibition on Americans crossing the border to shop, vacation, or visit. And... In part, they're doing this because you got to show that you have been vaccinated. Or I think you have to prove that you've got a negative COVID test is available also. And U.S. citizens and legal residents of this country, actually, here's the rule. You must both be fully vaccinated and test negative for COVID-19 within three days to get across one of the world's longest and busiest land borders. So, if you're not wanting to go get that thing stuck up your nose one more time, you can't go to Canada because they want you to be testing negative and prove that you have been fully vaccinated. Now, I don't know if it works in reverse. Do we have a bunch of unvaccinated Canadians running around places in the South right now? Just might, just might. But right now, again, some welcome news for those of you who do like to go up to Canada and or you have business reason to go there or you may even be from there or have family that is in canada or or canadian americans or american canadians whatever the case may be that is a great sign that canada is now open for the good old us of a however we know that the delta variant is causing havoc across the south across the country right now and governor aja hutchinson of arkansas during his weekly COVID-19 briefing in Little Rock, has announced the natural state has over 2,600 new cases, 24 more deaths, and 59 more hospitalizations, eight people in Arkansas on ventilators, based on the information coming out today from Asia Hutchinson of Arkansas. The reason this is newsworthy is this is now setting a new record for COVID-19 hospitalizations in the state of Arkansas. And that, unfortunately, is a common story across the entire South right now, as you're seeing lots of hospitalizations. I've had a parent in the hospital 
for over a week now. And as of Monday, only one person could go in to see my father. And that was only for about four hours. And that person, I think, had to be vaccinated or show that they were testing negative, I think. But the visiting hours were more like from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it was only one visitor per day. So they would just allow just the one person in per day only for that very limited amount of time. And if they're doing that there, they're doing it probably at your own local hospital or medical center as this thing is definitely, definitely spiraling spiraling out of control right now. On Monday, Arkansas set a new record for COVID-19 hospitalizations. The governor said the daily average continues to increase as 92% of all cases and deaths were not fully vaccinated and 19% of current active cases are 18 and older. Remember, I'm also hearing, and you probably have heard this too, so many young people, I believe it's the in some cases the highest bracket of people with this Delta variant are in the age group of 21 to 30. And women are having it more than men in a lot of cases. According to the governor of Arkansas, only about 37% of that state's population is fully vaccinated. And Governor Hutchinson says vaccination rates among Medicaid recipients are very, very low. And again, we're passing this along because unfortunately what's happening in the natural state is a common occurrence across the southeast right now. To North Mississippi with a sad story, the sheriff of Yalabusha County, Mark Fulco, has just died after complications of COVID-19 and pneumonia. According to the president of the Mississippi Sheriff's Association, the sheriff of only about seven months was at a Batesville, Mississippi hospital being treated for pneumonia. He had to be airlifted to a Memphis hospital and died while being transported to Memphis. And again, the sheriff of Yalabusha County, that is Water Valley, that is Coffeyville, that is Oakland in North Mississippi. The county just below where Oxford is located is where you'll find Yalabusha. It's also the county just above Grenada in North Mississippi. And the 50-year-old sheriff, Mark Fulco, dying. And sadly, he represents one of two sheriff's officials in Mississippi who have died. As the Hines County Sheriff, and this is right at Jackson, Mississippi, Hines County Sheriff Lee Vance passed away last week on Wednesday due to COVID-19 complications. So I think Mississippi has 82 counties, and within a week, two of the 82 counties have had sheriffs pass away from COVID-19 complications. Now, the Yalabusha Sheriff, Mark Fulco, was just elected into office back in February. There was a very hotly contested race that actually went all the way back to November of 2019. And it was extremely close between the Yalabusha Sheriff and his challenger at that time. It was also a racial issue, as the person that was up against the sheriff, Luther G. Folson Jr., would have been the first black man or black ever elected sheriff of this county in Mississippi. And it was a very watched race. And in the end, they had legal measures put in place. And this thing actually, although 
it was first held November of 2019. They didn't have a runoff or determine what the runoff would be until February of this year. And in the end, Mark Fulco just beat out his challenger. Fulco was white, and Mr. Folson was a black man. And so the white man was elected. And now, just seven months after his election, not even seven months, the sheriff dies of COVID-19. So are are they going to have another election? Most likely that will happen there in Yalabusha County in North Mississippi. In Chilton County, Alabama, that is between Montgomery and Birmingham, authorities there are seeking information on missing men from Tennessee, and they're seeking information because they have found three burned bodies. And the Chilton County Sheriff's Office in Alabama is asking information about this group of men missing from the volunteer state as there's a case of three unidentified bodies that is going on These bodies found back on July 29th. The Sheriff's Office of Chilton County put out a statement saying these individuals are missing persons from another agency in Tennessee and were headed to Alabama for a job. And again, you got three bodies and three people from Tennessee missing. I don't think you have to do too much math to figure out there's probably a correlation here. And according to the Alabama Sheriff's Office, We have reasons to believe the men could have been in either a white 2007 Chevrolet Suburban with aftermarket wheels or a 2018 black Chevrolet Silverado 4x4 Texas edition with aftermarket wheels, both with Tennessee tags. We believe these individuals and these vehicles are key pieces of evidence we're looking for in the three burned bodies found in the vehicle off of Highway 155 on County Road 969. Again, that is in Alabama, the sheriff's office did not release the names of the three Tennessee men that are missing, which is a little weird because I have seen the sheriff's office release pictures of missing men from Tennessee, but they don't have names attached to them, which is, I'm sure, not exactly what the families of these missing men or whoever these burned bodies are was what they're looking for. AL.com has the story up if you'd like to get more information on this tragedy unfolding from the state of Alabama. Another tragedy in the South, a youngster asleep in his bed in Albany, Georgia, has been killed in a drive-by shooting. Albany in southwest Georgia is where this happened. The police said Nigel Brown died Sunday after he was shot in the head. His mother was in another room when she heard gunshots. When she went to check on her children, she found her young child shot and he died before he could be taken to a hospital. A nine-year-old young Southerner, good Georgia boy, killed in his own bed while asleep, all because some knucklehead had to shoot a gun out on the street in a drive-by shooting. Now, two other children and Brown's great-grandfather were also at home in addition to his mother. Police say someone driving by in a car opened fire. Albany police have a $5,000 reward being offered for information as the police chief of albany georgia michael persley said some coward on the streets of albany georgia took his life i hope we can find him i sure do no excuse this is not acceptable anywhere in the country it happens all the time but here in the south especially in rural areas like southwest georgia absolutely no reason for a 
a young, precious, innocent little kid to be killed innocently. And that is the sad story that we're sharing with you here on today's Y'all Show. We've got more stories from the news headlines that we'll be sharing with you as we walk through this edition of the Y'all Show. Up next, a quick report on the sports happenings. Before the hour is up, we're going to tell you about this year's 2021 edition of the Miami Hurricanes of the ACC. That's all ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. Tony Stewart's a whiner, and we got rookies, advertisers, like a, let's see, Haveline, Target, Sharpie, Caterpillar, Nextel, Mountain Dew, DuPont, Lowe's, Home Depot, Kodak, M&M's, UBS, Tidal, Tail, Gillette, Kellogg's, Viagra, D. Walton, uh, Budweiser. But the trophy girls still have my favorite parts. Vroom, vroom, vroom. We got pit stops. You can't hear a dang thing once the flag drops. And poor Kyle Petty and Swerving Marlin <laughs> are gonna find it tough to beat Mark Martin. All right, some NASCAR humor courtesy of the great Cletus T. Judd. We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern accent and get your vroom vroom a going. Because we're going to tell you a little NASCAR news before we kick into some other sports happenings across the southeast. On this, the show that's all about Dixie and the NASCAR fellows will be at Indianapolis this weekend. It's the NASCAR Cup Series at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course there this Sunday. That begins at 1 Eastern on NBC. Now, one news here today from NASCAR and from Indianapolis, Bob Jenkins, the longtime racing announcer and the former voice of the Indianapolis 500, has died at the age of 73. Jenkins, his career spanned more than five decades on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network, and he died Monday as Indianapolis Motor Speedway put out a statement about his passing at the age of 73. Back in February, he revealed that he'd been diagnosed with brain cancer and planned to scale back his work at the Speedway as he underwent radiation and chemotherapy treatment. Now, back in the 80s, he survived colon cancer. But unfortunately, this week, the longtime racing announcer and former voice of the Indianapolis 500, Bob Jenkins, has died at the age of 73. Now, one quick NASCAR note. They've got about a month left of races before they enter their postseason, if you will, the Monster Energy Cup playoffs, and that begins in Darlington at the track too tough to tame there in South Carolina. That begins September 5th on Labor Day weekend. That's a nice little tradition that NASCAR has started at that historic track 
in the PD of South Carolina. If you look at the latest NASCAR Cup Series standings, Kyle Larson, what a comeback it's been for this guy from California, I think is his native country. Or in the country, yeah, it is kind of like a country. Native state, Kyle Larson. Kyle at number one in the standings. He's got 917 points that he's tallied thus far. Trailing him in the NASCAR Cup Series standings, Martin Truex Jr., followed by Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, and North Georgia's own Chase Elliott. Checks in at number five. Chase Elliott with 749 NASCAR Cup Series points at this point with about a month before the playoffs begin. If you follow NASCAR, you'll be wanting to see one of your favorite drivers end up being the points leader when it's all said and done. New Orleans Saints cornerback Patrick Robinson has announced that he is going to retire. Robinson, who's been in the league for several years, got his collegiate playing in at Florida State. He was drafted as the number one pick overall back in 2010 by the Saints. He was picked number one in the first rounder. He was the Saints' first pick in the 2010 draft, and he played with New Orleans until 2014. Then with the San Diego Chargers in 2015, followed by the Colts, Eagles, and then he came back to the, the Big Easy to be a New Orleans Saints for his final couple of years. He is a Super Bowl champion as he won that Super Bowl 52, and that would have been with the Philadelphia Eagles during the time that he was with them a few years back. And a great college player. He grew up in the Miami area. And now he has departed the NFL after about a decade being a cornerback. Patrick Robinson, the 30-year-old hanging up his cleats. We wish him the best. This weekend, really starting Thursday, you got NFL preseason games kicking into high gear. We've already had one game in the books between the Steelers and Cowboys. That was last Thursday. But this week, it really gets cranking if you want to tune in and see some of your favorite NFL teams. There's only going to be three games this year in the preseason. So a rare change in the schedule for preseason. They dropped that fourth game to have another regular season game. 17 regular season games for every NFL team, three preseason games. And week one of the preseason kicks off Thursday when the WFT, the Washington football team, plays the New England Patriots. That's going to be televised on the NFL Network. Also Thursday, you got the Steelers at the Philadelphia Eagles, an all-Keystone State matchup there in the preseason in this first week of preseason action. On Friday, how about this matchup? Julio Jones returns to the ATL as he's now a Tennessee Titan, and the Titans and Falcons from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's going to be Friday night. Also, Friday night lights. Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. And the Dallas Cowboys, who've already got one preseason game under their cowboy hat, the boys will be at the Arizona Cardinals for an NFL Network broadcast on Friday night. Saturday, a big, big lineup of preseason games. And some of these games start early on Saturday. At high noon Eastern, 11 Central on the NFL Network, It's the Dolphins and the Chicago Bears in preseason week number one. Broncos at the Minnesota Vikings. The Saints will be at the Baltimore Ravens. The Cleveland Browns and Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars get together on the NFL Network at 7 Eastern, 6 Central on Saturday night. How about the battle of the the city that never sleeps 
It's the New York Jets and the New York football giants. And they get together Saturday night from the Meadowlands or whatever they call that area now. You also have the Bengals and the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or is it Tampa? Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Bengals Saturday night. How about the Houston Texans? They'll be in Aaron Rodgers' country as the Packers and the Texans get together Saturday night for a week one preseason matchup. The Chiefs will be at the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks will be in Vegas to take on the Raiders. And on Sunday, or rather Saturday, the nightcap, on the NFL Network also, the Battle of L.A. And how about this? This should be the first time fans of either one of these teams get to see the amazing stadium there that's been built, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. It's the Chargers and the Rams, both now of L.A., having a matchup against each other preseason week number one. And if that was not enough excitement for you, coming up on Sunday at high noon Eastern, 11 Central, from Lucas Oil Stadium, it is the Indianapolis Colts hosting Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. And that's going to be on the NFL Network on Sunday. So if you're a big sports person, I just laid out lots of football for you for the weekend. And on Sunday, I know that's an early game to watch between Christian McCaffrey and the whoever is quarterback in the Colts now that they've got their starter out for a while. But you can go right from there over to a little golf action perhaps. Or maybe you can go do a little – you better go do some honeydews because football season is going to be here in about three seasons, like the games that matter. And you better go do your honeydews now to get out of the doghouse. All right, lastly, in our look at Southern sports to wrap up this segment of the Y'all Show, the experts have come out with the number one preseason coaches poll. And Alabama is number one. Oh, how in the world could that be? How could Alabama be number one in the latest preseason coaches poll? Well, that's what the coaches, that's their choice. Now, what about the rest of the pack? Checking in at number two in the preseason coaches poll, Clemson. Followed by number three, Oklahoma. Number four, Ohio State. Then Georgia is at five. Texas A&M is six. Notre Dame, seven. The Cyclones of Iowa State at eight. The Tar Heels and Mac Brown check in at number nine. How about the Cincinnati Bearcats? They're at number 10 in the latest preseason coaches poll. The Florida Gators are at 11. The Mighty Ducks of Oregon check in at 12. Ed Orgeron and the LSU Bayou Bengals are 13 in the brand-new preseason coaches poll. The Trojans of USC are 14th, followed by the Big Ten's Wisconsin Badgers at 15. A team I'm going to tell you a lot about after the break, the Miami Hurricanes are number 16 in the preseason coaches poll. The Indiana Hoosiers, what a year they had in 2020. The Hoosiers are at 17. Another Big Ten team, Iowa, is at 18. While they're still still in the Big 12, headed to the SEC soon, the Texas Longhorns under new coach Steve Sarkeesian are at number 19 in this preseason poll. The Nittany Lions of Penn State are 20. Washington is 21. The Pokes of Oklahoma State are at 22. How about the Raging Cajuns? Louisiana Lafayette out of the Sun Belt at 23. Another Sun Belt team checks in at number 24. And that would be the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. And lastly, in the preseason coaches poll, which has just been released, the number 25 team, according to the coaches, is the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, and the Mississippi Land Sharks. And that is 
your Southern sports recap here of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We got more college football to talk about after the break. We're going to be centering in on the U as the Miami Hurricanes are today's stop on our tour across the South. We'll walk through the 2021 schedule. We'll let you hear from the new coach. Well, he's now entering, I think, his second season. Manny Diaz, he's still new to me. And we'll hear all about that. It's up next on Y'all. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And today on our tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of college football. Let me just be honest with you, it's all about you. It's all about the you. It's the Miami Hurricanes. And we're stopping by Coral Gables to tell you about Manny Diaz's program and get you ready for the Canes and their ACC journey. Miami, let the smoke blow. Canes start the 2021 season against a, just a real cupcake of a match. Man, they got it so easy when they travel up to Atlanta. On September 4th, it's the Hurricanes and a team called the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is that Chick-fil-A kickoff thingy. And that's on that mid-afternoon of, of the opening weekend, Labor Day weekend, September 4th, the Crimson Tide and the Hurricanes. Following that, the Hurricanes return to Hard Rock Stadium for the season opener at home. Appalachian State comes down from the mountain for a game there. Michigan State comes into Hard Rock Stadium for a game on September 18th, an interesting Big Ten ACC matchup there. How about Central Connecticut State? What a power in college football, CCS. They will be at Hard Rock Stadium for a cupcake game, a, a real cupcake game for Manny Diaz on September 25th. Virginia comes in to Hard Rock Stadium for a game on September 30th. Then the Hurricanes pack their bags, and they head to Keenan Stadium. Mack Brown and the North Carolina Tar Heels await on October 16th. Then it's back to Hard Rock for a game October 23rd against the NC State Wolfpack. Pitt is the matchup in Pittsburgh on October 30th. Hard Rock Stadium hosts Miami and Georgia Tech on November 6th. The rivalry game at Florida State is not the last game on the schedule for Miami. It is November 13th, Canes and FSU. And then, to wrap up things, Virginia Tech comes into Miami for a game on November 20th. And then the Canes will be in Durham at Wallace Wade Stadium for a game against the Duke Blue Devils on November 27th. The Miami Hurricanes, kind of looking at their schedule, I just announced... A few minutes ago, if you missed it, Miami is in the top 20 of the latest preseason coaches poll. So this is a program that 
Manny Diaz has come on and helped get them a little bit of respect. Manny Diaz does have two seasons now under his belt. Hard to believe. I'm still kind of thinking of him as a new coach, but he has been with Miami since the 2019 season. He went 6-7 and seven that first year, followed by 8-3 and three in 2020. And now looking in his third year to take Miami perhaps to the ACC championship game to represent the Coastal Division. And the Miami native, Miami, Manny Diaz, Miami Manny, having a chance to lead this program to greatness in 2020. Now, what some of the pundits are saying about the 2021 edition of Miami, collegefootballnews.com is out with an article, and they kind of break down the offense for the Miami Hurricanes. And they say that having quarterback De'Eric King around has helped the Hurricanes. A new offensive coordinator, former Auburn coordinator, Rhett Lashley, is on patrol at Miami now. In the past season, Miami averaged nearly 450 yards and 35 points per game, but they still didn't have that kind of championship year. Now, the quarterback, King, is still trying to come back from a torn ACL suffered in the Cheez-It Bowl loss to Oklahoma State. Before that, though, he threw for over 2,600 yards and 23 touchdowns for Miami. So they've got a very good, polished quarterback, and now they're getting help as Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma is coming in to help out as well. So Miami is looking good on offense as far as defense, collegefootballnews.com also weighing in on that. I'm not going to give you the entire story, but it's certainly worth a read if you're a Hurricanes fan. Again, Manny Diaz now entering his third year. He's 47 years on, 47 years young, and this being his first college head football coaching gig, the Florida State alum, class of 1995 from FSU. He was just actually interviewed by some of the pundits that cover Miami as the Hurricanes, like other college football teams, are undergoing their preseason drills. And Coach Diaz, we're going to go in and hear a clip from him, and he starts out talking about his great inspiration in college coaching, Bobby Bowden, who we just lost on Sunday. Here is the Hurricanes head coach, Manny Diaz, answering and talking about Coach Bowden and other news and notes from his football program. I was so fortunate that my introduction into this profession was sitting in a staff meeting room with, with, with Bobby Bowden every day. Um, and at this point, he'd already won a national championship. We won another one while we were there. And the person you saw on TV and his, his you know, in my mind, selflessness, uh, the humility, uh, servant leadership, that was the exact same guy he was inside the building. And the way he led that program with the lack of ego, um, at that time, when you're a young coach, that, that's, that's your North Star. That's what you, that's what you want to be. That, that's, you know, and um, so to me, the fact that he won as many games as he won and yet also was who he was as a, as a man um, shows that you can do both. You, you can win a ton of games and, and be a great person like Coach Bowden is. Haven't had many situations like you did with Avanti Williams. Obviously, I know you guys dismissed him, but the lesson learned for, for the kids and just what can you sort of say about that? We haven't had a chance to ask. Him. Yeah, I mean, um, we 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 talk to our guys about that. Um, you know, it can be just one poor decision, one poor choice. Um, unfortunately, it has consequences. So, um, um, you know, 
I hate to just trivialize, uh, trivialize it as, as just a learning incident, but, but certainly I think, you know, we, 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 we spoke to our team about it and, and um, you know, and, and what it means, and, and, and hopefully we all can learn from it going forward. Let's do two more guys. Manny, what kind of uh, feeling are you getting from the defensive kids having you back in charge? Are you getting the results that you were looking for by doing that? I don't know if it has anything to do with me being in charge per se. I just think we have a hungry room of players on defense. You know what I mean? Um, they have pride. Uh, they know that there's a standard of how we play here at Miami, and, and they, they get it, you know. Um, but they also know that what happened a year ago doesn't carry into a, this, this following season with us. And this is a very similar movie to what we saw from 15 to 16, where they, there was just this stigma that was following the kids around. And, and we had to find a way that mentally we can let that thing go in the past um, and, and choose to write our own story for, for this version of the defense. So I think that experience, and of course it's great to have Zach McLeod, who is a member of the 16 defense and the 21 defense around. But uh, I, think, I, th- I think that's really what they feel. It really, whether I'm calling defense is not really the most important thing in that equation. And that was Manny Diaz, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. The Canes, again, beginning the 21 season in Atlanta against the Alabama Crimson Tide that opening weekend. And a quick reminder, in case you haven't studied up on Miami football history recently, this is a team and a program that has been a multiple national champion. They have five national championships, 1983, 1987, 1989, 1991, and 2001. This is a program that has two Heisman Trophy winners, Vinny Testaverde and Gino Toretta. This is a college football powerhouse, and Manny Diaz has them right now in the preseason top 20. And if you're a fan of the U, Maybe it's just like the 1980s and 90s all over again here in 2021. Coming up in Hour 3, I'll tell you more about the University of Miami as an institution. I'll talk about some of the famous alumni of the U and some of the great traditions you'll find when you go see a Canes game. All that ahead on y'all. Up next, a political report to wrap up this first hour. All right, sir, we're going to end up this hour with a little political conversation. This is the Y'all Show, 803-816-1170 is how you can reach out and touch us here on the show All About the South. And looking at some headlines today, some big headlines out of the state capital of the Empire State, as it was announced today that Governor Andrew Cuomo is resigning as that state's chief executive. And I don't think he's leaving office for a few more weeks, but that was certainly something that most people saw coming. And now official Cuomo resigning as New York's governor. Joe Biden is kind of on vacation in Delaware. You'd think if you were president of the United States, even though you love your state, Delaware, I would think you'd probably want to go a little bit more challenging, exciting, romantic place than Delaware. But that's where he is. And on Monday, he called a lid, which means he didn't have any media availabilities. Essentially, he took the day off. He called a lid before noon on Monday. Hmm. 
not working too hard, it looks like, Joe Biden. If it's a day in Southern politics, it's a day that Marjorie Greene can make headlines. The congressman from Northwest Georgia, she has been suspended by Twitter. Hmm, never would have saw that one coming. And yes, she's suspended for reasons given. She's been suspended for a week, according to reports. And it was for, let me get the exact reason. Suspended for another violation of Twitter's platform rules. She tweeted on Monday that the FDA should not approve the COVID vaccines. She also claimed the vaccines were failing and they were ineffective at reducing the virus's spread. Her opinion. And who is Twitter to determine that she is not right? I mean, she probably is wrong. But if there's 1% chance, she could be right. I mean, if the if the vaccines were working so great, then how could people who have been vaccinated get tested positive? Now, most people are not, but some are. This is why we, if you go back and listen to our Monday Y'all show with Jerry Short as our guest, we talked about the censorship and downright un-American stuff going on with companies like Twitter kicking people like Marjorie Green off of their platforms. Absolutely ridiculous also big news today it looks like the senate has passed the infrastructure bill they cut out a lot of the pork in that and i think it was just over only over a a trillion dollars ended up being passed but that was a big story that has happened in the halls of congress today now to austin texas and an article out from politico the democrats strategy in texas is unclear after republican efforts another effort to pass voting bill the voting bill that the house of uh, the house of representatives in texas in austin remember the democrats there from the house in texas fled to washington dc a couple of weeks back and now the state house democrats in texas are once again trying to deny republicans a quorum during the last legislative session for this year and democratic state representatives are united to grind the legislature to a halt but they're having trouble rallying around what to do next. That is what Politico is reporting if you want to go read that story. But as we've said over and over, it doesn't matter what the topic or where the location. If you're a Democrat, generally you're pretty darn united. And don't be surprised if the Texas legislature there is not able to pass election reform because they can't get a quorum. And even though they might could have those people arrested, they're probably not going to do that. They're going to let them get away with it. They're going to let them get away with acting like, I don't know, you could say brilliant politicians and getting the heck out of Texas for a while. But, yeah, once again, if you're a conservative, you're likely going to fail in Texas because of uh, being outsmarted, perhaps, by getting on a plane and leaving the state for a while. And that wraps up hour number one of this, the show that is all about the South. When we come back in hour number two, we have plenty, plenty of great conversation headed your way. We will have entertainment headlines. You're going to hear from Reba McIntyre. Also, we're going to tell you about how to plan a barbecue party. That's coming up in hour two. And again, you can go to our website, y'all.com. It's the South's homepage. We're going to tell you what's up at the homepage of the South in hour two as well. All that is ahead. Would you mind, please, sticking around through the break? Oh, okay, thank you. We'll be right back.
are Talk with a Southern Accent, and this is our second hour, as we are here for three hours each day, giving you a heavy dose of Dixie. I'm General John Rawl, and we are lining up here all kinds of entertainment news for this hour. We have barbecue information to pass along in this hour. And if that's not enough, we're going to tell you what's on y'all.com right now. And that's right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And if you're a Southerner, I think you're going to like this show. And if you're a Southerner at heart, I know you're going to like this show. And we just like the fact that you are taking the time to listen to us on fantastic radio stations across the South. And also available, if you're listening to us this way, it's really cool. And if you're not listening to it, it's a cool thing to do. All the cool kids are doing it. Go to our podcast options. We are currently on Spotify. Just search for Y'all Show. We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're on the iHeartRadio app. Stitcher, we're right there. You also can find the Y'all Show at the homepage of the South y'all.com our podcast is right there at the y'all show option that's right up there at the top of the home page look for the red and white banner that says y'all show and you do a little clicking and then the y'all show does a little playing so we're making it so dang easy for you to get your southern on right here on the show you also can call us you can text us the number is 803-816-1170 that number Available for you 24-7. We appreciate you taking the time again for being on the show all about the South. We start off this hour of our conversation about the South with some entertainment headlines. What's going on in Hollywood? What is going on across Nashville and beyond? And here in this entertainment report, we're going to actually let you hear a trailer. Not the double-wide kind, but the kind of movie trailer. And I did not know this was a new movie until I actually went to a movie theater for the first time since the pandemic began. I went to see a movie on Saturday night, and this trailer for this movie played right before my movie came on. And how cool was that? And how cool that this forthcoming movie has a Southerner playing a pretty big role in it. Now, you know I'm not going to tell you the name of the movie because you've got to stick around for a few minutes, and I'm going to play that trailer for you. But up first here on the entertainment headlines of the South, some tragic storylines, a a passage of a Southerner. As comedian and the co-founder of the whitest kids you know, Trevor Moore, who spent a large portion of his young years in Charlottesville, Virginia. Trevor Moore has died at the age of 41. An actor, a writer, director, musician, Best known as one of the founding members alongside Sam Brown and Zach Kreger of the New York City-based comedy troupe The Whitest Kids You Know, which used the acronym WKUK. They had their own sketch comedy series on IFC that ran for five seasons. Born in New Jersey, as I said, he ended up being in Charlottesville, Virginia as a youngster. He attended high school at Covenant School in Charlottesville and then went on to be a broadcasting major at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, ultimately going to New York. It's where he started out his career, I think. But 
he has died, this actor, at age 41. He died after being involved in an accident back on August 6th. No details about the accident have been published as of now. He was married to Amy Carlson. They got married in 2010. The couple first met when Trevor Moore was 23. They have a son together, sadly. And some of the films that Trevor Moore has been in, Miss March, where he was the writer, director, actor, and producer of that one. He was also in a forthcoming movie called Mars that has not yet come out. And then as we have told you, he was on a whole bunch of series on IFC, The Whitest Kid You Know. And he recently had his own talk show, the Trevor Moore Talk Show, where he was a part of that this year, frankly. And unfortunately, this very dynamic actor, producer, a renaissance man, if you will, dying in a tragic accident Friday evening in California is where that accident happened. And this Virginia native Trevor Moore has passed away. How about a positive story coming from a Southern entertainment person? Julie Bowen of Modern Family helped rescue a hiker who had fainted in a national park in Utah. And what a great gesture for this Southerner, Julie Bowen, again, of Modern Family. She was born in Baltimore, and she was born the daughter of a commercial real estate developer in Balmer. And she's actually the sister of noted infectious disease specialist Annie Lukemeyer. And the 51-year-old Julie Bowen, actress known for playing Claire Dunphy in Modern Family. She was not in that series going forward as her role ended in 2020. She also was on the show Ed, and she also had a role of Denise Bauer on Boston Legal. But Julie Bowen and her sister helped. I wonder if it was the sister I just told you about that was the infectious disease specialist. I would probably guess yes. Uh, Julie and her sister helped rescue a hiker that fainted at the Arches National Park in Moab, Utah. The hiker is the one telling the story. Minnie John was the hiker that was in Utah. And she said, they could have just ignored me, passed on, but they didn't. She could have gone on. She must have had a busy agenda that was disturbed because of me. They treated me a stranger with love and respect. And Minnie John, who was from New Jersey, again, vacationing in Utah and out hiking, had this event that, again, this actress and her sister helped rescue this fainted passenger. And that's a great story to tell. Everybody's okay. And even had a nice picture of Julie and her sister, Annie. And is Annie the one that's, yeah, Annie. Annie Lukemeyer, the infectious disease specialist. So it helps if you're going to be on a remote trail in Utah and you faint that you end up having a Hollywood star and the Hollywood star's sister is an infectious disease specialist suddenly appear and get you back to shape. 
And feigning is a real deal for a lot of people. I know because I'm a feigner. And I'm a little bit scared. I, I had a horrible feigning spell earlier this year where I fainted about four times in about an hour. I ended up breaking my collarbone as a result of my feigning spell. And I'm still rather paranoid. I mean, I'm not trying to get too personal. There's far more important and scarier things to worry about than feigning. But, man, when you faint, you faint. You don't know what's going on. And I ended up fainting so much I went to the hospital thinking I might have been having Elizabeth come join me. And that's when they told me, uh, yes, sir, you have a broken collarbone. I'm like, what? Where, where's, a, where's the collarbone? I think it's probably what I was thinking because I'd never broken anything. Actually, that was the first bone I ever broke. I've broken hearts before, but I've never had a bone break. And I did it because I fainted. And how about Julie Bowen and her sister, the Baltimore natives coming through? Unfortunately, from New Orleans, because of the COVID outbreak in the Pelican State and across the South right now, New Orleans Jazz Fest has canceled a 2021 event due to the outbreak. Now, listen closely. There may be hope for some of this very popular event to happen. But as a result of the rising cases in Louisiana, it has led to the cancellation of Jazz Fest for the second year running. Now, this was announced Sunday by the organizers. The annual Jazz Fest, according to the organizers, it looks like the whole thing might get shut down. It will not pl take place as a result of the current exponential growth of new COVID case in New Orleans and the region. Now, this festival, Jazz Fest, normally takes place over two weekends in late April and May, but it had been moved to October earlier this year. So this event coming up in October should have been held in the springtime, and now they're going to push it back because of this Delta variant. And Jazz Fest usually is a huge deal. Jazz Fest 2020 also canceled due to the pandemic. So it looks like you're going to have two years of not having Jazz Fest. We've had two years of not having the CMA Music Festival in Nashville. If you're a music lover, you have had a rough go of it, If you, especially are the kind of music lover that likes to go see things in person, and especially these big events. And I just saw where Bonnaroo, which I think is coming up pretty soon in Manchester, Tennessee, they're requiring masks and a proof that you've been vaccinated. I think that was the headline. Might want to check if you're planning on getting your party on at Bonnaroo real soon. All right, as I mentioned earlier this past weekend, I went and saw the movie Stillwater. Matt Damon stars in that. It was a pretty good movie. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it was, it was pretty good. And it was the first movie that I have seen since COVID-19 emerged in 2020. It was great to be back in the theater. Loved it. Awesome. Ticket prices were about $4 higher than I remember pre-COVID. But I won't pick on theaters too much. They've had a rough go of it over the last 16 months. But while I was waiting for Stillwater to come on, I saw the 50 previews of movies forthcoming. And one of those previews was for a new movie called Cry Macho. That movie will release in theaters and HBO Max on September 17th. Cry Macho is directed by the one and only Clint Eastwood. And it stars D. White Yoakam, 
the Kentucky boy turned country music singer turned actor turned director turned just a cool guy. And Cry Macho comes out in just over a month. The movie is based on the novel Cry Macho, penned by N. Richard Nash. In the film, Clint Eastwood portrays Mike Milo, a former rodeo star and horse breeder, who accepts a job from former employer Howard Polk, a character played by Dwight Yoakam, to bring Polk's son home from Mexico and away from his alcoholic mother. The movie follows the challenges they face as they journey to Texas. So, unlike most movies that go from east to west, from the eastern portion of the United States to the west, occasionally you have stories where they go from west to east, like eastbound and down, trying to get that Coors beer to Georgia. Here is a movie where they go from the south to the north, from Mexico to to good old Texas. And Cry Macho, again, comes out in just over a month. To get you ready for it, it's trailer time here on the Y'all Show. We have the just-released official trailer from Warner Media Company, and that's the company putting out this new Clint Eastwood D. White Yoko movie. And if you don't mind, get your popcorn out and listen in to the new trailer for Cry Macho coming out real soon. Back when we had winners, I'm afraid to lose you to the competition. Five times you won the All-American... That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was before the accident. Before the booze. You know how many people told me to just cut you loose? You gonna say anything? Howard, I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man. But you know, there's no reason to be rude. You owe me, Mike. You gave me your word. And that used to mean something. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. You want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. Hey, Rafael, you can come out now. I'm a friend of the family. Touch me and I'll kick your asshole, man. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Get in the back. We go and I tell you, okay? Look, the only place you're going to go is the hospital. You get too angry. It's not good for you. All right, that's a little bit of the Cry Macho official trailer that has just been released from Warner Brothers Movies. And Clint Eastwood directing this thing. Clint Eastwood is in his 90s now. Dwight Yoakam and Clint starring in this new movie out. And it comes out in about five weeks or so. Check it out in theaters and HBO Max. Can't wait for that one. I still think that Dwight Yoakam has a role in the funniest movie that's come out in 20 years. And a lot of you thinking Dwight Yoakam in a comedy? Yeah, he had a pretty important role, at least early in the movie, in the funniest movie that I think has come out in the last 20 years. And that would be Wedding Crashers, as he, in that opening scene, is the guy getting divorced from the wife that was trying to take all his money and the characters played by Owen Wilson they were the lawyers representing I guess the client or something I don't know funny movie I think you would agree it's pretty darn funny if you haven't seen it check out Wedding Crashers but Dwight Yoakam back on the big screen with his role in the forthcoming Clint Eastwood directed Cry Macho 
Reba McIntyre, she and her love, her new love, both just got out of quarantine because both were tested positive for COVID-19. Both Reba and her lover boy, actor Rex Lynn. You know Rex Lynn from CSI Miami when that ran on CBS all those years. The bald-headed, kind of ugly-looking fellow, but beautiful at heart. He's beautiful to Reba. Both got COVID-19 and now are out talking about it. And Reba has just put out a TikTok video that I'm rather proud of the Okie for doing this. She gives us a tour of her home. So how would you like to have a first-hand walk around Reba's house with Reba McIntyre? You can experience yourself just like, like, like I did, either on TikTok or she's got it up at YouTube. Just search for Reba McIntyre home tour, I think is what I did. And sure enough, you'll be right there alongside Reba, the lovely redhead, with her house that she's only had a couple of years. She used to live between, let's say, Hendersonville and Lebanon. That's where she had a house for a long time. But she sold that house, or somebody sold it. And now she's got a different property. I'm not sure where it's located. But it doesn't matter. You can take a look all by yourself of Reba's new digs and how she's getting past COVID-19 as she's just put out this TikTok this week. Let's go in and listen to a little bit of Reba McIntyre, the singer and actress and Oklahoma native, giving us a little sample of her home, her home that she's quite proud of. And one of my favorite places of our home, it's the bird yard. People usually call it a courtyard, but I call it a bird yard because we've got cardinals, we've got tough titmouse birds, we've got uh, Carolina chickadees, and then we've also got my favorite, the American goldfinch. Um, now, see, right now, you, you can't see any birds because, well, we're, we're walking and talking. They're up in the trees. That's where they sit. But we also have hummingbirds. You see the orange things? Hummingbirds, they like to come into the fountain. And the squirrels get up here and chew all this up. Now this is a baffle. Y'all ever heard of a baffle before? That's so the squirrel can't get up here. But my squirrels are real smart. There's a hummingbird. Where? Just flew by. Ah. The squirrels will literally jump from the rocks up here. They're talented, acrobatic. Did you see another Yeah, one? there's hummingbirds. They're flying by. Just well, that's all the bird feeders. Now, you can't see them right now, but in the morning when I fix coffee for Rex and me for coffee camp, we have coffee camp every morning. I can see them from my... There you are. Yeah. I can see them from my kitchen window. All the birds out here feeding, and it is just absolutely beautiful. It is a gift from God early in the morning. Okay, 930. I don't sleep. I mean, I sleep late. I don't get up very early. All right, so now I'm going to show you another part of the house, but they said stay outside, but this is something I do outside, okay? So, whoo, it's hot out here. So we're going to go inside. All right. Hold on one second. We've got to refocus here. This thing is being slow. There we go. Okay, a little refocus time. These are the pictures I took in Africa. 
I love Africa. I've been there three times. Can't wait to go back. But I took them with my Leica camera. Anybody ever been to all right, that was a portion of the video biography, if you will, of Reba McIntyre showing off her home, her bird yard, as she calls it, not her courtyard of her house. And it's a beautiful house. And she, did you know Reba McIntyre was an expert on birds? She's an ornithologist. I know she's a songologist, but she's an ornithologist, it looks like. And she's also quite the photographer. If you see the video that's up at YouTube, Reba McIntyre's TikTok Live is what it's called. You can see some of the great pictures she took in Africa. And she's got some beautiful photos there at her home, wherever the heck that home is. Reba, if you're listening, boy, it'd be great if we could just kind of show up there and check out some of this stuff yourself. That she, Reba, and her boyfriend, Rex Lynn, are enjoying. Rex Lynn, again, the actor from CSI Miami, and he's been on a bunch of TV shows and movies through the years. And how about that? A, a actor hanging out with a fellow actor slash country music superstar, Texas and Oklahoma together with Reba and Rex. And they look like they're having a good time. Again, both getting past COVID-19, both were vaccinated and both came down with it. And you can watch that TikTok video in its entirety. It's about 30 minutes. So if you've got extra 30 minutes to kill, you can go take a up-close-and-personal tour with Reba McIntyre at her house and enjoy it. Now, one last entertainment story to pass along. Have you heard about this show that's out about a home makeover show? And Lauren Elena, the Chattanooga-area singer, is surprising her high school coach with a home makeover. And sure enough, Lauren Elena, who got famous when she was auditioning for American Idol is helping out her teacher that she had growing up around Chattanooga, Susan Bradley. And she's doing this celebrity I think I saw it promoted on CBS the other day. Celebrity I'm, I'm sorry, it's secret celebrity renovation. And she has surprised her teacher from childhood with a secret celebrity renovation project. And so what a nice, nice gesture for this country music starlet. The episode that Lauren Elena and her teacher renovate at her North Georgia home will air on CBS this week. It's also available on Paramount Plus if you want to tune in there. But what a great thing to reward this teacher. As Lauren Elena said, she met Susan her freshman year of high school, which she says for a young girl is a very critical time. Lauren evidently was a cheerleader, and maybe this lady, Susan, was her cheerleading coach in addition to being a teacher. And they formed a friendship. Lauren Elena, after American Idol, signed a record deal at 16 years old. And now going back to that area right around Lookout Mountain, Georgia, where she's from, and rewarding her teacher and a big inspiration in her life. Congratulations to these two. And that will wrap up the Y'all Show Entertainment Report here. But we're not done when Y'all continues after this break. Stick around because we're going to tell you 
all about putting on a barbecue party. Thanks to the spruceeats.com, we've got barbecue party planning checklist. We'll walk through it all as we go through this hour. Before the hour is up, we'll give you the latest at what's on y'all.com, the South's homepage. All that is ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. Lauren Elena is going to take us to break. with a southern accent we are filling you up with all the news and sports info and a little entertainment info as we are walking through the second hour of our conversation about everything southern and i bet t graham brown in his life has put on a pretty good party or two remember t graham brown was the original spokesperson for taco bell Back when they had the run for the border theme in the 1980s. And this guy from Commerce, Georgia, was their spokesperson. We've got to get him back on the show. It's been a while since we had tea on y'all. But right now in the South, we got a couple of more weeks left of summertime. And if you are thinking about it, we're encouraging you to do it. Go ahead. Make the bold move. Put on a party put on a barbecue party and here on the y'all show we're going to go to a website that will help you do just that the spruceeats.com and writer colleen graham has penned an article called barbecue party planning checklist and here on y'all talk with the accent about the south we're going to accentuate having a party and eating a little barbecue but if you're going to do all that you might want to do it with a little planning and preparation. You know, the two Ps, the two Ps Mama probably never told you about, planning and preparation. We're going to help you with that here. That's what one of our jobs on the Y'all Show is for. We're here to help you. We're in the helping business. 
And so here, thanks to the spruceeats.com, let me tell you a few of the helpful pointers they've got in case you are trying to get your essentials ready. You need to have all of the essentials ready according to this article that Colleen has penned. The checklist for the grill, just the grill itself. If you're going to go out and have this big summertime barbecue bonanza, you better make sure you have this checklist of items. You better have a spatula, tongs, a grill fork, a grill glove, something that I sometimes am guilty of not having. You, you better have an apron. Also, I'm definitely guilty. Maybe you have been guilty and you've had to run down to the local gas station and look like an idiot. You need to have gas or charcoal and on the gas thing. You, you better make sure the gas is plenty full in your little container and tote that little nuclear bomb, as I like to call it, down to the local gas station and get a nice little fill up of gas so you'll be good to go for grilling if that's your choice. Or if you're not doing it, the gas route, you're going to do charcoal. Make sure you got charcoal and make sure that charcoal is actually going to fire up and do what it's supposed to do. So those are definitely things on the checklist of things when you get ready to have your grill checklist. Also, Reynolds needs to come through. Not Burt, but Reynolds Wrap. Have aluminum foil. Also, oil and have a towel. All those are just for the grill alone. A, a grill checklist, according to the spruceeats.com, you can go dig up this article that Colleen Graham has penned, and you'll save yourself, you'll save yourself a lot of time, a lot of frustration, and if you're like me, you're likely to save yourself a lot of embarrassment for not having some of the basics. So let me walk through again. Go ahead and get the iPhone out and hit the record button on your voice memos and record what I'm about to remind you on your grill checklist. (sighs) You ready? Okay. Spatula. You better have tongs, a grill fork, a grill glove, an apron, gas or charcoal, aluminum foil, oil, and a towel as well. Those are the must on your checklist for just the grill, the grilling equipment, if you will, for your barbecue party planning checklist. Helpful information from the spruce seats, don't you think? I would agree. You know what? We're not done. The spruce seats has other important steps for you as you're getting ready for your barbecue party. And more items from the barbecue party planning checklist are coming up. So we've got your grill essentials, your tools needed out at the grill. But what about the rest of the barbecue party? After the break, I'm going to walk through some of those important things that you're going to need to have for that one last summer hoorah. And hoorah, that's up next as we wrap up this second hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. Vegas. We're all out here talking trash, making bets, 
lips wrapped around our cigarettes She always thought she was too good to be a waitress We all say that we'll quit someday When a ship comes in We'll just sail away We'll just blow smoke Hey, yeah We're just blowing smoke Hey, yeah Out here going broke Hey, yeah Yeah, we're just blowing Casey Musgraves getting us back from break here, blowing smoke and more. And perhaps she's blowing smoke not because of some cigarette, but it could be because she's out by the barbecue grill. And we're back here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Thanks to thespruceeats.com, we have the article that Colleen Graham has penned, Barbecue Party Planning Checklist. Make sure you have the essentials ready. And this has been a very informative article. In the previous segment, rewind, if you will, rewind it, and you can hear here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent us talking about the tools needed out by the grill, the grill checklist. But, again, getting you ready for your last summer bonanza, your summertime barbecue send-off. We have more helpful tips coming in from thespruceeats.com. And Colleen reminds us, for your barbecue party, you need to have iced cold drinks. A good supply of drinks will keep everyone cool and refreshed. There are many beverages that are ideal for a backyard cookout, so you're sure to find something for everyone. Now, according to Colleen at thespruceeats.com, you need to offer, now listen up, you need to offer a variety of non-alcoholic drinks for kids and guests who don't drink alcohol. And frankly, even if you do drink alcohol, if you're out grilling and barbecuing on a hot day, that alcohol is just going to make you dehydrated really, really, really quick. So it's important that you need to drink water regardless if you're drinking non-alcoholic or alcoholic drinks. But let's say you, you have a plenty of the non-alcoholic drinks out there for people to choose from. Have a big stock, not just your token one or two bottled waters. Have a bunch. You can use those things well beyond the barbecue party. Also, this article mentions that fruit punches are perfect for a summer cookout and a pitcher of homemade lemonade is always a hit. But you can also, according to the article, offer things like sparkling cranberry punch or cardinal punch. I'm going to have to double-check what cardinal punch is. While I remind Colleen there at thespruceeats.com that nowhere have I seen you talk about sweet tea or half-and-half or even unsweet tea available. Cardinal punch. It is a recipe that you can check out from what I can tell. And they even have an article for Cardinal Punch at thespruceeats.com. And it is a drink that takes about three minutes of preparation time. And it includes cranberry juice, orange juice, lemon juice, ginger ale, and a lemon slice and an orange slice 
for garnish purposes. But have you had a cardinal punch lately? Well, go to thespruceeats.com and they can tell you more about it. Those, that particular drink is a option, according to this article about barbecue party planning, in case you want to have something non-alcoholic available. If you want to have something for the, the beer crowd, fill a cooler with ice-cold beer. That is a tradition with barbecuing in the South. Lots of fantastic beers to choose from. Perhaps go get some from your local craft brewer. Make it more of a local thing. You also can have a whole bunch of different cocktails out there. We've told you in the previous segment about the grill checklist and some of the things you need to have. As you get ready for your summertime barbecue party, the beverage checklist from the Spruce Eats includes beer, wine, and cocktails. You need to have lemonade or non-alcoholic punch available. Soda, also have water. You need to have plastic cups, a cooler, ice, a bottle opener. And I've been to those parties before for those who bring wine and things like that where nobody's got a corkscrew. So make sure you got a corkscrew available as part of your summertime barbecue party checklist. In addition to the tools at the grill and the drinks that you're going to have, you might want to make sure with your grilling you have the condiments and sauces available that will make all of the attendees happy. And there, there really are lots of different choices for sauces. And if you're a good Southerner, like I claim to be here, you like them all. For goodness sakes, we have some incredible sauces in this part of the world. And some of our sauces are more for chicken, some are for ribs, You even have fruit-based barbecue sauces. And as you're mapping out your checklist, depending on which style of barbecue you're doing, you may want to go reference this article because she's got it all broken down very, very good. But I'm intrigued by this one option she's got as a native of Palmetto country. She's got a whole link here on mustard-based barbecue sauces. And she's got recipes for mustard-based barbecue available if you just go to the article at thespruceeats.com. She's got Big Daddy's Carolina-style barbecue sauce, and that combines mustard and vinegar with a very tangy flavor. Looks good. Mustard sauce. That includes using balsamic vinegar instead of a more traditional cider vinegar in this particular recipe. Golden Carolina barbecue sauce. That's made famous by the Bessinger family in South Carolina. She's got a recipe for that. What a well-researched article. She's even got Georgia mustard sauce available. And that's just one of a bunch of different things here. She's even got Memphis-style barbecue sauce options, Texas-style barbecue sauce, all part of the checklist if you're getting ready for your summer barbecue party. So... In addition to the sauces, you better have, depending on if you're going to have things on the grill besides barbecue, you might want to have things available like ketchup, mustard. You need to have cheese, lettuce, onions, mushrooms, bacon, and don't forget the buns. All those are part of the checklist. She even, in the article, breaks down the meats, sides, and desserts, the do's and don'ts, the checklist. We're referencing here the article 
up at thespruceeats.com as writer Colleen Graham has her more than Ph.D. researched article to help y'all with your barbecue fun. And why not have some barbecue fun to close out August? If you don't have this scheduled as of today, today, August 10th, if you don't have your own barbecue party scheduled between now and Labor Day, and Labor Day's fine, you can work it in Labor Day, that's what, four weeks away roughly? Please do us a favor, and, and actually, please do me a favor and invite me. I want to be invited to one of your summer barbecue parties that you reference this article at thespruceeats.com to get you prepared and have one heck of a blowout. We, we need a blowout. We need to send this summer off in style and get back to the way it used to be with wonderful food and, and fellowship. And in the South, in the summertime, there's no better way to do it than some good barbecue, whether it's with ribs or pulled pork, or if you want to go and do the hamburger thing, we'll let you slide, get off easy. But as we normally have our barbecue barrister on here, he is a guy that is not above his raisin. He doesn't mind spending more than a full 24 hours preparing meat on a grill. And if you go through those kind of steps, I want to know about it. I want to be part of the fun. And here on the Y'all Show, I want to be right here to tell everybody all about it. Again, this article has so much to cover, including a safety checklist where you want to have a first aid kit, a fire extinguisher. Don't forget the sunscreen and bug spray or candles available. Colleen, at a girl, Colleen Graham, writer at thespruceeats.com with this very thorough article on this website that has so much great information. And we appreciate giving you a little taste of the fun of having your own barbecue party and a planning checklist for said party. You know what else is a great website that covers lots of stuff, including food? It's y'all.com. After the break, stay tuned. I'm going to tell you what has just been posted on the South's homepage and also how you can listen to this show, The Y'all Show at y'all.com. That's ahead as we conclude this hour number two. Hang on, y'all. Tonight 
got a handful of minutes left here in hour number two of the show that is all about the South. I'm John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of the fun. Our number to text in is 803-816-1170. Our website that you can go and find great information about this show and find informative stuff about the entire region. It is YALL.com. Y'all.com, the South's homepage. And I'm on the South's homepage right now. And I'm checking out some of the great articles that have been penned. And we encourage you to go there and read these for yourselves or go to Facebook and actually follow or like y'all.com on Facebook. So you'll kind of be informed. We'll send you an alert every time a new story is posted at the South's homepage, y'all.com. Stopping by right now at y'all.com. We've got some fantastic travel-related stories. We've got a trip to Alpharetta, Georgia. That is just north of Atlanta. And I did an interview with one of the members of their tourism office. Awesome Alpharetta offers unmatched excitement. And if you go to y'all.com, the homepage right now, you'll see the great interview I did with Janine Jones, the public relations manager for Alpharetta, Georgia, CVB. That's up at the homepage at y'all.com right this very second. Also, we took you to Seguin, Texas recently, and at y'all.com you can go watch our interview with the pitmaster at Davila's Barbecue, a legendary barbecue place just east of San Antonio, as Adrian Davila stops by the Y'all Show, and we have that great interview that you can watch with Adrian up at y'all.com, and it's there right now free of charge for you to check out. Also at Y'all, we have a tour of Historic Highway 90. The Southern Route 66 is its nickname. Ashley Stinson, great Alabama-based writer, travel writer there in the heart of Dixie. She has gone and traveled the historic highway of the Gulf Coast of Alabama and Mississippi, and she's got it all chronicled there. The Southern Route 66. Ashley stops by Pascagoula. She goes to Bayou La Battery. She goes to, I guess, to the eastern shore of Alabama and takes in some sights and sounds there. Fort Morgan is a place she chronicles, Dolphin Island. She also stopped by Moss Point, Mississippi. Checked out some stuff there. It's a very, very good article, and she's got lots of photos to go along with it. Check it out. Ashley Stinson's article, Historic Highway 90, now posted on the homepage of the South. Also, a hot new article we just posted over the weekend at y'all.com, Ainsley Lawrence, how the South is coping with population growth from COVID-19. Ainsley with a very newsworthy article that we've got at y'all.com. And check out that about COVID-19 and its impact on the South. And lastly, we have a great episode of Tricks of the Trade. John Allen and Jimmy Duke host this home improvement show each and every week and we put that up you can watch it in its entirety absolutely free this past week the episode was all about fried bologna canned fixtures and if you have a lot of uncomfortable numbers attached to your water bill all that posted at y'all.com and check it all out here at y'all the show all about the south and the website that's all about the south y'all.com That will conclude hour number two. When we come back, hour number three is just ahead. 
a look at more headlines from across the southeast. Also, we'll be telling you about the Miami Hurricanes today. The U is our latest stop on our 44-city tour across the south, getting you ready for the start of college football's 2021 season. That plus Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on the arts and entertainment world. Plus, your phone calls and texts are welcome. 803-816-1170. So stay where you are. The Y'all Show is coming right back. And as a man's reaching for his trousers, a full of a Mr. Saturday Night Special. you people of the south i am john rawl and this is our final hour of this the y'all show on this second day of the work week how y'all doing if you want to get in touch with us a couple of easy ways you can drop us an email mail m-a-i-l at y'all.com that is an easy way and a free way to get to us just about as free and easy is our text line 803-816- 1170 we we hope we make it pretty easy for you to get in touch with the show that is truly y'all's show in this final hour today we've already got two hours down in this final hour we're going to walk through some of the headlines taking place across the nation specifically across the region here as we have stories forthcoming about a tennessee thief who tunneled through drywall to steal drugs from a nearby pharmacy. What a moron. But Tennessee, we're going to help you out because we're also going to tell you how a grandmother and her grandson both have earned college degrees together. They were at the same graduation commencement in the last couple of days. What a sweet, sweet story we'll be telling you about on today's Y'all Show. Plus... The USS Paul Hamilton is San Diego bound. Why are we talking about the USS Paul Hamilton? Stay tuned, I'll tell you. Plus, some stories out of Louisiana. Tulane University. Research at Tulane links fertility issues and marijuana. You might want to lay off the Mary Jane if you want to have a baby. That, according to the research, that we'll tell you about more about in a second. Plus... More from Louisiana's institutions of higher learning. Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, a.k.a. LSU, a.k.a. the Bayou Bengals, a.k.a. the Old War School. Mike the Tiger, the mascot for LSU, has received his vaccination. I'll let you know about that. Speaking of animal news, a dead whale has washed ashore at Myrtle Beach. Scary thing there on the Grand Strand. And multiple catfishing records have been broken in North Carolina. All that is part of our news headlines. We'll get to in, a, in literally a matter of seconds. We'll also tell you this hour about the traditions and famous alumni and more of the University of Miami, the U, 
the Hurricanes, as today Miami is our spotlight school as we're on a voyage across the southeast visiting 44 colleges before the start of the college football season. And the U is where we'll be dropping by today. Before the hour is up, Melissa Rhodes will be filing a report on Southern Arts and Entertainment. Your text, welcome, 803-816-1170. Continuing on with headlines to start this second hour, rather, (laughs) I'm already thinking about the past, to start this third hour of the Y'all Show, to Alabama. A woman was spotted by a retired police officer who lived across the street from a water tank This woman was swimming in a 70-foot-tall water tank, and firefighters had to come rescue the moron. Can a woman be a moron? Well, that's the case here. Firefighters rescuing this woman in Athens, North Alabama, Limestone County. Firefighters found her swimming in the 70-foot-tall water tank, The unidentified woman, lucky for her, unidentified, she broke a fence barrier in Athens and climbed a ladder to the top of the tank. And that tank was filled with 350,000 gallons of beautiful, delicious, fresh, probably right out of the Elk River in North Alabama water. (laughs) The hatch of the tank was apparently not secure, and it closed behind her after she went inside. The woman was spotted by this retired Athens, Alabama police officer, Doug Duran, who lived right across the street from the water tank. Pretty good eagle eye there, retired police officer, Doug Duran. And luckily for the woman, she would have maybe never come out of that thing if not for the man spotting her. She ought to be very thankful she got hauled off by police. I don't know if they arrested her. She was to undergo a mental health evaluation. That explains it. But how about Athens, Alabama firefighters Hunter Campbell and Cody Collins climbing the tank and found the woman swimming inside. They persuaded her to leave the tank and use a harness to bring her down safely. Um, This is one of those water tanks that you probably have seen. They, They are huge circular tanks that go from the top to the bottom. There's not like a tower you got to climb at the bottom. Essentially, there's water at ground level going up, in this case, 70 feet in the air. It looks just a, like a big, gigantic tank. And most communities have these. Your days of having a little tiny water tower at the edge of town up on, a, on stilts, I think this type of water tank is paving the way going forward for our future water drinking. But that story out of Alabama with this woman swimming around, I bet that would be fun for a little while. Probably not so fun when you find out the hatch closed on you and you just might spend the rest of I mean, I guess they had to probably go in and put chlorine all over that water after the woman was in there swimming, don't you think? What, 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 a, what a knucklehead. I believe a knucklehead applies to both the South's men and women. Another knucklehead in the South. A thief in Tennessee has tunneled through drywall to steal opioids. This thief from Campbell County in Tennessee has been arrested. This moron 
hid in a Middle Tennessee Walgreens until closing and then channeled, he tunneled through drywall to steal opioids and was arrested in Jacksboro, Tennessee today, I think it was. 27-year-old Austin Cornett taken into custody without incident. Got a tip from the Franklin, Tennessee Police Department, according to the Campbell County Sheriff's Office. He was taken to the Campbell County Jail and is awaiting transport back to Franklin. Now, this robbery evidently took place, I, I assume, in Franklin on May 18th. So this has been going on for a while. Police said it happened at the Walgreens on Murfreesboro Road. According to a release from police, the man hid inside the store until after closing time, and then he waited until all the employees left and tunneled through the pharmacy, through the drywall, and stole a large amount of opioid painkillers. And they've got him. Austin Cornett being charged in the robbery of the Walgreens Pharmacy in Franklin, Tennessee, located in Jacksboro. And I don't have all of my Tennessee communities memorized, so bear with me here. I apologize to the good people of Jacksboro, Tennessee. I'm going to have to have a little cheat sheet and tell you where Campbell County in Jacksboro is located. There are some areas of Tennessee that are a little bit off the beaten path, and evidently, Jacksboro is one of those places because I don't think I've ever heard of Campbell County, Tennessee. It is essentially right at the edge of where East meets Middle Tennessee, but right on the Kentucky border. And that's where Jacksboro is located. Named for Andrew Jackson, actually. Founded the county way back in 1806. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Let's be honest. I guess it would be kind of almost near where the Cumberland Gap is located. Is somewhere in that area. Again, my apologies to the good people of Campbell County and to Jacksboro, Tennessee, for me not having that known. But that's a good place if you're a guy like this idiot trying to get away from Franklin. Not a bad place to go hide out for a while. I doubt he thought he was going to get caught. Stranger things have happened. A better story for you Tennesseans today. A grandmother and grandson have earned their college degrees together. Congratulations to Austin P. alumni Shirley West and Bailey West. Both have graduated from the Clarksville, Tennessee-based college. Shirley West, grandmama, old granny, is 69, and her grandson, Bailey, is 25 and they graduated from Austin P. State University in Clarksville, Tennessee, on Friday. Bailey returned to Montgomery County from Texas to live with his grandparents, and the grandson said he didn't know what the next chapter looked like. His grandparents encouraged him to go back to school, but Bailey told his grandmother that he would go if she went with him, so she did just that. What a good granny. And together, Shirley and Bailey, ages 69 and grandson 25 got their degrees and a fantastic heartwarming story from austin p home of the governors for these two to get their degrees shirley graduated magna cum laude with a 3.8 gpa 
I don't know what grandson Bailey got a GPA in, but he plans to become a certified culinarian. Shirley, the grandma, said she plans, instead of going to work with her nice 3.8 GPA, she plans to simply enjoy her eight grandchildren. And Bailey is one of those eight grandchildren. What a cool story. How would you like to be a grandparent going to school with your grandchild? What a, what a good story out of Clarksville, Tennessee. How about this delivery from Florida? A massive Amazon delivery leaves hundreds of boxes stacked as tall as the house itself, and this pile became large enough to block most of the driveway for this home. What kind of things are in these Amazon delivery boxes? At this Florida residence, someone started filming on TikTok all of these deliveries. It almost might be a joke, as many as I'm looking at here. A TikTok user posted videos to her account with this mountain of boxes outside her neighbor's house or her apparent neighbor's house. And it's a gigantic collection of boxes. And these videos are being seen lots and lots of places. I, I don't know if what's being piled up there in the driveway is all legitimate Amazon deliveries or not. Again, it could be a prank. But a massive, how would you like to be the Amazon driver for that one? Massive delivery with hundreds of deliveries. I hope the person's in town. I hope they're in town to, to sign off and perhaps have the fun of opening them up. Especially if they don't know exactly what's being delivered via Amazon. A little military feel-good story for you. The USS Paul Hamilton is headed back to San Diego. And it is flying a South Carolina Revolutionary War battle flag as it heads back to port. The United States Navy evidently has kind of a reward for its fleet that when they start heading home, if they've been at sea for a lengthy period and or they've had good merits and good conduct, or I don't know what all they use in the Navy, they are allowed to fly a flag, so to speak. And last week, the USS Paul Hamilton returned home flying the Moultrie flag. And that is a Revolutionary War flag from the battle at Fort Moultrie, 1775, I think, was that year of that battle. Yeah, I think it was the year before the Declaration of Independence. I think I'm right on that. And I should know. But the Moultrie flag is a Blue flag with a white crescent moon in the corner with the word liberty scrawled across. It's a beautiful flag. It's the inspiration behind South Carolina's beautiful blue and white palmetto and crescent moon flag that is one of the most recognized state flags in the country. The Paul Hamilton ship was on a nine-month deployment when it received permission to fly this South Carolina flag. And sure enough, the flag designed in 1775 by South Carolina State Militia Commander Colonel William Moultrie. And he defended Sullivan's Island against the British Royal Navy in the first American victory of the Revolutionary War. And the definite first battle, I think, of any size in the South at that time. This flag really should be a lot more common in the entire country. It truly is a beautiful simple flag and it goes back to the founding of this country the Moultrie flag beautiful beautiful flag 
The USS Paul Hamilton is a guided missile destroyer, and it returns to San Diego. It's actually coming back, but it's going to take a while. October 13th is the date that it is scheduled to fly the flag. And again, it is honoring Paul Hamilton, its namesake, by flying this flag. Now, as I've said before, and perhaps this is your first time tuning in to y'all talk with a southern accent, I claim to be a pretty good history guy. I claim to know a lot about what's going on in the South. And I certainly claim to fame. My, one of my claim to fames is knowing what the heck happens in the state of my birth. But they got me on this one. This ship is named after Paul Hamilton. And I don't know who he is. So let me promote the late U.S. Secretary of the Navy, Paul Hamilton, who was born in St. Paul's Parish, South Carolina, just a few years ago, born October of 1762. During the Revolutionary War, he served in military roles in the southern states, fighting under the Swamp Fox, General Francis Marion. And he would end up becoming the third U.S. Secretary of the Navy, Paul Hamilton, a South Carolinian, born again in St. Paul's Parish, He died in Beaufort, South Carolina in 1816, but that is the reason this ship is named after him. It's the USS Paul Hamilton. In fact, three Navy destroyers have been named the Paul Hamilton. And the town of Hamilton, Georgia, is also named after this fellow from the other side of the Savannah River. Paul Hamilton, the third U.S. Secretary of the Navy. So there's a little Southern history for you. And the Navy, again, honoring Paul Hamilton by flying on the USS Paul Hamilton, the Moultrie flag from the first war of American independence. (laughs) Now to some Louisiana-related medical stories, if you will. Researchers at Tulane University in New Orleans are linking fertility issues and marijuana. Could it be? Could it be? You can't smoke marijuana anymore if you want to have kids. As states continue to legalize the wacky weed, this new study by Tulane University has a warning for would-be dads. Smoking weed regularly may harm a man's fertility, according to this study. Researchers from both Tulane and the University of Washington found a connection between low semen volume and damaged sperm among men who smoke marijuana. But the side effects weren't all bad. The study also found that men who smoke marijuana were more likely to have sperm that swam faster. So there, all of you who like marijuana, just justified your your lighting it up because your sperm may swim faster by smoking that stuff. The findings were just published in the journal Therapeutic Advances in Urology. But again, this research coming in from the Tulane University School of Medicine of Medicine. Tulane University School of Medicine in New Orleans. The lead author was Dr. Omer Rahim. And he said, this is one of the first studies that shows a decline in sperm quality in current and past marijuana smokers compared to non-smokers. This is significant because it adds to the evolving evidence of the potential negative impacts of marijuana on human reproduction. See, there we have it. If you smoke dope, you don't like humanity. 
you don't want the world to keep on trucking, evidently, according to this research. Or maybe you just want to take the counter argument, so you just want your sperm to swim faster. More medical-related information coming out of the state of Louisiana. Dun, 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 dun. Mike the Tiger, the mascot, the beloved mascot at LSU, has received his vaccination. Mike the Seven is LSU's current live Tiger mascot. He received his first COVID-19 vaccination on July 16th. And just this past Friday, Mike the Tiger got his second shot. He's all vaxxed up and ready for the 2021 season. The veterinarian for Mike the Tiger, Dr. David Baker, administered the vaccine, which was donated by Zotus. That company is donating more than 11,000 doses of its COVID-19 vaccine to help protect the health and well-being of more than 100 mammalian species living in zoos, sanctuaries, academic institutions, and more. I doubt too many vaccines going to animals is going to, are going to get as much publicity as Mike the Tiger getting a little vaccine. And Mike, who has his own social media accounts, LSU's Mike the Tiger, by the way, if you want to give him a follow, put out a post. It says, a Be Like Mike post was on the Tiger's well-intended and frequently updated Facebook page this morning. So go if you have the option of getting some of your creatures vaccinated in addition to perhaps yourself. If you're lucky to get this vaccine, you can help out. Last year, Lions and Tigers, not the professional football teams, the Lions and Tigers at the Bronx Zoo were diagnosed with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. And it is believed those animals contracted the virus from zookeepers. So Mike the Tiger is all vaxxed up and ready for 2021 when LSU takes on UCLA in the Rose Bowl to start the 2021 season. Sadly, a sad animal-related story. A dead whale has washed ashore at Myrtle Beach. The beaked whale spotted on shore in Myrtle Beach around 5.30 Monday afternoon, according to the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. A second whale was stranded in water nearby, but it was helped into deeper water. And scientists saying they're not sure if that whale is going to survive, but biologists plan an examination of the dead whale to see why it died. And I'm not familiar with that many whales washing up anywhere in the south. And if you've ever seen videos, I don't know how in the world I found these one time, but when a whale washes up on a beach, it's one heck of an ordeal. You just can't pick them up and move them like any other animal or structure even. It it involves a whole lot of TLC. And I saw that one time somebody tried to blow one of these dead whales up, and that did not go over well. I think whale carcass landed hundreds of yards, maybe even a mile away, after somebody in California put dynamite, I think, under a whale carcass. Yeah, not a good idea. I feel for those on the Grand Strand trying to get in a nice swim, and you got a dead whale right there beached in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina right now. So not a way to necessarily wrap up the summertime in style in South Carolina. To North Carolina, they are making the summertime really stand out in terms of the fish of the old North State. How about this story coming in from North Carolina? Tanner Rudolph 
and Rocky Baker have both helped catch catfish, and their catfishing prowess has led to records being broken in North Carolina. I'm trying to get the exact poundage, if you will, of these two. The North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission has confirmed that these two catfishing records have been broken by these two fishermen with the result of their fishing at the end of July. Tanner Rudolph caught a 26-pound channel catfish, which set a new record for channel catfish in North Carolina. Rudolph broke a record that had been set just last year, and before that, that record had not been broken for uh, about 50 years as Rudolph caught a 127-pound blue catfish that's now been confirmed. So these two anglers, cat fishermen, if you will, Tanner Rudolph, Rocky Baker, making records with their catfishing skills in North Carolina. Craig Faulkner, take note. He's our guy that comes on with the fishing forecast on Fridays. Another animal story. This also from the Carolinas. Back to South Carolina we go. A dog in the Palmetto State becomes a TikTok star because of his premium doghouse. Congratulations to Piedmont, South Carolina, in the upstate. Jonathan Lower and his dog, Golden Retriever Teddy. Teddy has a custom dog bedroom. That includes a closet decked out with a TV, a special doggy door, painting, a simulated fireplace, and he's got a TikTok channel of his own and millions of viewers to see Teddy the Golden Retriever in Piedmont, South Carolina, getting his luxury on in Piedmont. Did I mention the TV is a flat screen TV? And again, Daily, millions of people are tuning in to the social media app TikTok to see this TikTok star. And it, it's, it's all in fun. And In fact, Teddy recently tossed his owner out for trying to charge $1,000 a month. That's kind of a funny TikTok video that's out there right now. Check it out if you will. Google that, Teddy the Lab and Piedmont, South Carolina, living the high life and enjoying his nice, nice abode in Piedmont with a luxury lifestyle for a darn golden retriever. That should get you a little bit jealous if you aren't necessarily living the high life like Teddy is. More y'all show coming up. When we come back, I'm going to tell you all about the traditions and fun at the University of Miami. The U is our spotlight school today. It is our latest stop on our tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of college football. And I'll let you know about some of the famous alumni, the smoke that you see when the Canes run out on the field at Hard Rock. All that and more is ahead when the Y'all Show continues. Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, 
traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host, John Rawl, to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. Today we're taking you just a little bit west of South Beach and a little bit south of the city of Miami because we are in Coral Gables. Today, our featured school on our tour across the southeast getting you ready for the start of college football in just a couple of weeks. It's the U, the Miami Hurricanes. And we're going to tell you about the university here. In this segment, we're going to also discuss some of the famous alumni of Miami. What a very, very colorful and assorted group of alumni the University of Miami has. And we'll also discuss some of the traditions of the Canes. All that right here. And I better shut up that song playing in the background because that is from the rival Seminoles up in Tallahassee. No, right now, it's all about the U and our Tour across the South, stopping by to talk about this ACC member institution. team of Manny Diaz kicks off the 2021 season in the ATL. It's Miami and the number one Alabama Crimson Tide on that opening weekend Saturday, the Chick-fil-A kickoff from Atlanta. That again, the Hurricanes under coach Manny Diaz entering his third season at the U. And that is the first game Miami has on the schedule. The home opener at Hard Rock Stadium for Miami this year will be a game out of conference as the Appalachian State Mountaineers come down from Boone on September 11th is that game. The Hurricanes begin their ACC play against the Virginia Cavaliers on September 30th, that game at Hard Rock Stadium. Here in this segment, we're going to focus mostly on the university itself and some of the famous alumni and traditions of the Miami Hurricanes. Remember, this is a program, as a football program, that has five claimed national titles, starting back with Howard Schnellenberger, the late coach who played his college ball as a player for the Kentucky Wildcats. Schnellenberger in 83 led them to a title. Then they won in 87, 1989. I think a guy named Jimmy Johnson had something to do with those years. Then 1991 and 2001, the last year, Miami won a national title. Can you believe it's been 20 years since Alabama, I'm sorry, since Miami hoisted a national championship trophy? Remember, it was 92 when they played against Alabama and lost that championship game. Alabama won that one with Gene Stallings. And Miami absolutely should have won the game against Ohio State somewhere around 2002 was that year. And they've had seven times they have finished runner-up. So, and and then they also claim four. They they have four titles that are unclaimed national titles. 
86, 88, 90, and 2000. Really one of the best college football programs, period. Maybe not so much in the last 20 years, but from 1983 to 2003, there in that stretch, there's no doubt Miami was not only one of the best, if not the best, college football team, they had that tradition of putting players in the NFL unlike anybody else. I mean, they had some guys who go, went to the NFL that were absolute studs for their play on the field, but they also had a lot of players who were really good on the field, but they were even better with the banter off the field and promoting themselves and getting in the headlines, sometimes not for the best of reasons. I'm looking at you, Michael Irvin. The Miami Hurricanes, a great tradition in college football. How about the university itself? This is what is surprising. The University of Miami is a private school in Coral Gables. And right now, the university has just shy of 18,000 students. It's a third, if not 25% of the size of schools like UCF or the University of Florida. It's small in comparison to those other schools. But it's a private school. It's a private school that's not even 100 years old. It was established in 1925. The current president is Julio Frank. And again, its campus is not in Miami, even though it's called the University of Miami. It's located in Coral Gables. Coral Gables is a couple of miles south of the city of Miami with a population just shy of 50,000. It's a great little community. And it's the home of the orange, green, and white hurricanes. But yes, this school, less than 100 years old. During the era of Jim Crow in the state of Florida, there were three large state-funded universities in Florida for white males and white females, and then black co-eds also had FAMU. So you had Florida for white men, Florida State for white women, and then FAMU, Florida A&M, was for for the black population of Florida that were public state-funded schools. The University of Miami was founded in 1925 as a white co-educational university. So that definitely went along with the times being for whites only or perhaps you were a school for blacks only. But to be co-educational from its start was definitely not the standard thing 100 years ago. And the university has been very well received and has in its nearly 100 year history done a great job with various academic programs and more they have a law school they have the rosen style school of marine and atmospheric science they also have a research it's this is a very powerful research university that offers 132 undergraduate and 148 masters and 67 doctoral degree programs It is classified among R1 doctoral universities as a very high research activity. The endowment for the the university is 
just over a billion dollars. So they're not they're not doing bad. And on a personal note, they have the Miami Project also is connected in with the University of Miami. And that is the fund for trying to solve paralysis. And a guy that I've had a chance to meet several times, Mark Bonacani, who got paralyzed playing college football at the Citadel. His program is tied in to the University of Miami. And Mark, beyond the Citadel, went and graduated from the University of Miami. And he is Nick Bonacani's son, the late football star of the undefeated Miami Dolphins. As far as prominent University of Miami alumni, they have so many. They have, for goodness sakes, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who played football at Miami at one point, but now known for all kinds of movies and other fun stuff. Dwayne Johnson, a UM alumni. How about Wayne Brady? Whose line is it anyway? And the guy that's on daytime TV all the time. He is a University of Miami alumnus. You also have Ray Liotta, the actor known for Goodfellas and his role in Field of Dreams. (laughs) Sly Stallone is a University of Miami alumnus. Did you realize that? From the world of arts and literature, several heavy hitters are University of Miami alumni, including Tony Award-winning playwright Mark Medoff. In the music world, oh yeah, it wouldn't be Miami if not for Gloria Estefan. And Gloria Estefan is a UM alumnus. How about Ben Folds of the Ben Folds Five? He attended but did not graduate from the University of Miami. They also have an alumnus I want to tell you about Bruce Hornsby. Did y'all realize Bruce Hornsby is a University of Miami alumnus? Drummer for the Doobie Brothers, Ed Toth, is a UM alumnus. And on a personal note, a lady I got to know a little bit back in the 90s, country music singer, and sadly, a late country music singer, Laurie White. That's my baby, perhaps best known as the woman in Castaway that Tom Hanks saw that butterfly-looking thing on the package, and at the very end of the movie... He goes and tracks down that actress. Well, that was actually Laurie White, country music singer. And Laurie White graduated from the University of Miami. From the TV world, Dawn Lewis is a Miami alumnus. So is Jill Arrington. You probably remember her from her sideline reporting through the years. Another name worth mentioning as a Miami alumnus from that line of entertainment and more is former performer on Saturday Night Live, Finesse Mitchell. And this week we lost Marky Post from the People. No, I'm sorry, that was Night Court. From the People's Court, Marilyn Milan is a Miami alumnus. Lots of athletes, of course, all of the various football stars who've gone on to play. From the world of baseball, Ryan Braun. A Miami alumnus. You also have Yasmani Grendahl of the White Sox. And let's see here. 
just so many. I mean, it's hard to keep track. Uh, Alex Fernandez. And you also have, let's see, uh, the list is so long. I'm, I'm thinking of Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, Alex A-Rod attended but did not graduate from the University of Miami. He's on the baseball list. NBA, Rick Barry. Remember Rick Barry of the Warriors and Rockets fame? He's a Miami alumnus. How about Davin Reed, shooting guard in the NBA? And Lonnie Walker of the San Antonio Spurs. James Jones, don't want to leave him out. James Jones played with teams like the Cavaliers, Pacers. Then when you get to the NFL, goodness, we don't have enough time. Frank Gore, Jimmy Graham, Devin Hester, Santana Moss, Greg Olson, who just retired from the NFL a long time, Carolina Panther. For many, many decades, the University of Miami has been a factory for producing players for the NFL. Those, again, just the football side of things. And you got so many other great people who've attended the school and gone on, people in business, the business world, the CEO and founder of the startup Magic Leap, Ronnie Ibovitz, a University of Miami alumnus, president of Burke Communications, Ron Berkowitz, the former CEO of American International Group, Hank Greenberg, lots of lawyers, lots of politicians. It's a powerful school. Lastly, before we wrap up our Miami talk, let me tell you about some of the great traditions. Of course, the nickname itself goes way back to the 1920s when the Hurricanes had that really cool name. How about the mascot, Sebastian the Ibis? Beautiful little creature. The Ibis, a local marsh bird, was considered UM's first unofficial mascot when the school yearbook adopted the name Ibis in 1926. In 1959, San Sebastian Hall, a residence hall on campus, sponsored an Ibis entry in the homecoming celebration. And then the next year, a student performed at games in Ibis costume that was put together. Through the years, the Ibis has become one of the most recognizable college mascots in the country. And to the University of Miami's credit, they were, to my knowledge, the first college to hire a professional mascot wearer back in the 1980s. And Sebastian the Ibis was a pretty famous mascot back in the era when the San Diego chicken got to be pretty famous. At a Miami football game, you got Little Joe and Touchdown Tommy, and those are cannons fired by Sigma Chi fraternity members after each hurricane score. The colors are distinctive at Miami. The school colors selected back in 1926. The colors of the Florida orange tree represent UM. Orange symbolizes the fruit of the tree. Green represents the leaves and white the blossoms. How about the U, the nickname that a lot of people call? And you've got that logo, that very distinctive logo for Hurricane Athletics, the U. In 1973, the Athletic Federation at Miami commissioned a PR firm to develop a distinctive logo and throughout the years, Miami had so many different changes with their football uniforms and stuff that they came out with this design. As designer Bill Bodenheimer suggested the U idea, which lent itself to slogans like, You Gotta Believe and You Is Great. And in 2009, Miami 
adopted the Split U logo as the centerpiece of its visual identity system. At a game at Hard Rock Stadium, the smoke is a big part of the game day experience. The smoke is put out on display when the team runs through out on the field for a football game. You have the War Canoe Trophy, uh, War Canoe, War, War Canoe Trophy, and that's given to each year to the winner of the Miami Florida State game. I'm sorry, between Miami and Florida, not to FSU. It's an authentic Seminole war canoe painted by Seminole Indians from a 200-year-old Everglades cypress tree and given as a trophy for the football game between Miami and UF. And I don't know who won the – I guess they played last year, I think, and the Gators won that one. So those are many of the traditions that you can find for this ACC member the Miami Hurricanes, who, again, this year get their season underway against the Alabama Crimson Tide in that first game of the Labor Day weekend. And we've had a ball here today telling you more about the Hurricanes and the traditions and famous alumni and more. Hope you enjoyed it. On Wednesday's Y'all Show, the Vanderbilt Commodores will be our feature institution on our tour across the South. When the Y'all Show comes right back, Melissa Rhodes is standing by with a southern accent on arts and entertainment. Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. The Suicide Squad opens this week with Margot Robbie as the film Starlet. It's directed by Missouri native James Gunn, who just appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live alongside Robbie and co-star John Cena. I just wanted to do the ultimate all-time comic book movie, um, create the Suicide Squad based on one of my favorite comic books of all time by John Ostrander about a group of really crappy supervillains. Damn Yankee John Cena, a New Englander that now calls Land Lakes Florida home, has made the successful transition from the professional wrestling ring to the circus of Hollywood film life. Still, fans of the old WWF, like Kimmel guest host Anthony Anderson, are still confused with Rasslin's 2002 name change. All we did was, was get the F out. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah, we spent a lot of money on market research to just add another little bottom thing to this. Entertainment, headlines, and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Melissa, for giving us great... Input on, I think it's the number one movie at the box office. I haven't looked at all the returns here this week. But, yes, The Suicide Squad, directed by a Missouri native, and John Cena, Margot Robbie, among the stars in that little film at your local theater. We got one last segment as we wrap up today's Y'all Show, and that is forthcoming on this, the program that's all about Dixie.
Mr. Tippin, thank you for setting us up here to go home on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. want to remind you, you can reach out to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the way you can do that is through something called electronic mail with the address mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. And you can let your fingers do the talking by texting us. Our number, if you want to text us, no matter what the time of day, no matter what you're wearing, what you're feeling, whatever's on your mind, we want to know. The way to get in touch with us on our text line is 803-816-1170. Again, this is the show that covers everything Southern. We got you covered. From those beautiful Atlantic beaches to way up in the Smokies, all the way to the Mississippi Delta. We got you covered in the Boot Hill, East Texas and beyond. It's y'all. And we're wrapping things up here on this Tuesday edition with that invitation for you again to reach out to us when you're able to share with what's going on in your part of the Southeast. Coming up on our Wednesday edition, we're going to have... The Vanderbilt Commodores as our featured college as we continue on with our journey across the South, getting you ready for the start of the college football season. By the way, Maryland is up on Thursday, and the Mississippi Land Sharks will be our spotlight school on Friday. Also on the Wednesday Y'all Show, we will take you to some Southern business news and also tell you about the latest best-selling books going on across the Southeast. That all ahead on the Y'all Show Wednesday edition. Until that time, I am John Rawl thanking you for being on the show once again. We will see y'all tomorrow.